Thank the Lord for the uh, beautiful time of worship this morning. Please take out your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Dealing with the subject, no division. No divisions. Yesterday was another Campbell football day. Yes. Now, it was sort of a blowout. As Campbell defeated Wagner 49 to 3. 49 to 3. And I must admit that uh, the wife and I, Betty and I, we departed way before the end of that final time uh, of the fourth quarter. The game was already well in hand. Well, we're not, we're not uh, going to take the role of all the coaches here today, but uh, I'm thankful always for our coaches. I'm thankful for Coach Cox here today, Coach Pollock there in the back, and the Easleys, uh, they have an excused absence today. They had to be out of town. Well, the reason why I say that is this. If I could call any of our coaches up, you're not going to have to come forward, okay? But, but, but if I would call any of our coaches up today and, and I would ask them something, how they would handle a situation or a scenario, I dare say I already know what the answer is. And, and I've only seen this maybe happen just a few times in my life, if ever. Sometimes this would happen on the sidelines. But, uh, you, know, you know, you just, for the most part, don't see it. And that is, suppose the Campbell game yesterday, going well, but uh, Coach Cox would look out there at his players there on the defensive side of the ball, so to speak, and all of a sudden one linebacker gets in the face of a cornerback and begins telling that cornerback or that safety or whatever, about what a bad job that person is and doesn't deserve to be out there, and before long, they are almost in fist fight, having a fist fight. Yeah, it didn't happen, but suppose. Or suppose Coach Pollock there would, would, would be coaching, again, basketball, and, 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 and one, 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 one player almost stops the game and, and begins to tell the others on the team how worthless they are, and they're not doing their job, and uh, it, is, it is their fault because the, the, the team is behind right now. Well, let me say this. A good coach is not going to put up with that too much, is he or she? The answer is no. Why? Because as you coach, we, we know it's a team sport, generally speaking. I mean, even the cross-country runners run by themselves, but you still run as a team. You know, you take, you take the, uh, the, the final uh, times of, of the first five runners on your team to give a team score. So even though you run individually, you're part of a team score. No, the, the coaches wouldn't put up with that. Why? Because they're not going to allow division or dissension or those kind of problems again to be taking place out there while the game is being played. Well, to move that illustration over to where we're at, we're part of His church, our Lord's church. And there are times when 
we have members, people, members, fellow believers in the body of Christ that quite frankly may cause dissension or arguing all for the wrong reasons. And the unity of the gospel is impacted. When things like that begin to happen, we're not going to be able to be the team, so to speak, that the Lord wants us to be. That's exactly what the text of Scripture, in a way, is dealing with today. For you see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, God's Word states, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you should be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Paul, in a sense, is doing some coaching here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying to his brothers and sisters in Christ, now I plead with you. The word plead there, he's, he's calling them to his side. He's imploring them. He's saying, I want to share with you. I, I want to talk to you. He may be saying as well, I may well want to listen to what you have to say, but, 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 but there's a plea to, to come along beside. Some commentators think this word actually goes as far to almost say this, that Paul was begging with them. I mean, so the bottom of his heart, he's calling them together, please, 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 in other words. He's, he's wanting to bring them together in unity. Now, I plead with you, brethren. That's brothers and sisters in Christ. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting, and, and there's a reason why. Particularly in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that verse after verse after verse is using the name Jesus or our Lord Jesus Christ because He's the center of who we are. He's the reason we're here. Jesus is the one that holds us and He keeps us together. It is in Christ. So I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. Now, if you're visiting with us today, you might say, Pastor, why are you talking about problems and issues and divisions in the church? This is because I'm preaching through the text of Scripture. This happens to be where we're at today in the text of Scripture. I preached on the previous verses last Sunday. That's why we're here right now, okay? And, and sometimes I think that needs explanation. That's one advantage of preaching verse by verse through Scripture. People can't point out and say, well, you know, you're just thinking about me when you put that sermon together. No, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. You know, the Scripture is speaking here today. The Scripture is saying that there be no divisions among you. What's a division? It's a schism. It's a separating. It's a dividing. Let me say this. I don't want to go too far with this illustration, okay? You understand it without me giving an in-depth explanation. We're divided as a nation. 
If you watched any of the television or the internet coverage of what was taking place with the Supreme Court uh, nomination last week, you were able to see that. We are divided. We are divided. For lots of different reasons. Well, let me say this. When we come together here, we're not Republicans, Democrats, or Independents. Or whatever else there may be. Okay, we're, we're none of that. We're part of the church of the living God. That's who we are. We're here to honor, to glorify, and to serve Him. And, and there are not, when we come together, there are not to be these kinds of divisions. Now before I go any further, let me say this. Yes, I could easily you know, entitle this message, No Divisions, but I have to be very clear. There could, in the life of a church, come a time when there's a need for a division. A need for a separating. A need for a schism, so to speak, for the right reason. Not the wrong reasons, the right reason. Let, let me give you some examples, potentially, of that. That is when major scriptural doctrine is compromised. You might say, Pastor, what are some of the major scriptural doctrines? Now, here's, here's one thing we need to understand. There are the major scriptural doctrines, and then there are secondary scriptural issues. Secondary scriptural issues, quite frankly, are important. But we've got to realize there are some secondary issues where spiritual Christians will look at it from a different point of view, okay? But let me say this, there are some things we can't compromise on. Such as the inerrancy of Scripture. God's Word is true. God's Word is true. The virgin birth. If there was not a virgin birth, then we do not have a Savior who can save us. We stand on the virgin birth. We stand on the deity of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We stand on that. We stand on what is known as the substitutionary atonement and the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. In other words, when He went to that cross, He went there as a blood sacrifice. He had my sins and your sins on that cross. We stand on that. i tell you another one we stand on as well, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where you see, had there been no resurrection, as 1 Corinthians 15 will say, we have nothing to preach. We have nothing to teach. We stand on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You cannot compromise on those issues. No compromise there. But there are secondary issues, yes, where there will be different opinions, and we've got to give some latitude on secondary issues. I'm not going to get into those right now, okay? Let me say this as well, though. I have, I guess in a sense, maybe not been alarmed or surprised as I should have been. But I've been sort of following this. I may well have seen some initial articles on the Drudge Report. And then got, got an email this morning from one of the groups. I think this is One Place Ministry. They have different ministers that prevent sermons on a daily basis. It, just, it comes to my email. But I've been reading about this and been aware of this for several weeks now. And it is this, the, the lead article is, China wants to rewrite the Bible. Now this is not a joke. 
I know I laugh when I hear it, but it's not a joke. This is real. Let me, let me read some of this for you. China wants to rewrite the Bible. China recently announced a five-year plan to rewrite the Chinese Bible with the goal of bringing it in line with socialist ideals. They are also looking to incorporate Buddhist and Confucian teachings. There are also plans being considered that would rewrite commentaries and hymnals. The Chinese communist government has already removed thousands of crosses from churches and ordered the churches to erect pictures of Chairman Mao and the current chairman. This is alarming news for our Chinese Christian brothers and sisters. As persecution in China continues to increase, this particular ministry is saying they're committed to bringing truth and life through this particular ministry. That's what they consider part of their ministry. There will be many people ministering. Let me tell you this. There's a reason why even since many of the missionaries were, were thrown out of China and the World War II time period and timetable, that there had been literally thousands upon thousands of underground churches in China. It is because for many years on and off there has been a lot of persecution. If this continues to go on in that nation, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be much more persecution. Much, much more than there has been. And according to Hebrews, again... Hebrews 13, we have an obligation again to pray for, for those being persecuted. Our Christian brothers and sisters in China that will be facing this kind of thing as, as they, quote, rewrite God's Word. Let me tell you this, you can't rewrite God's Word. You can't do that. That's a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. Where do these divisions that Paul is referring to, where do they come from? How do, how do they get started? Well, well, there's not just one answer. Uh, multiple kinds of things in multiple kind of ways, but let me say this, more times than, than not, there's two or three main ways it happens. Now, I'm not going to cover every way. First of all, it may well be an issue of the flesh that would cause divisions in, uh, in the life of a Christian church. And, and just uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 for a moment. Galatians chapter 5. And I pick up with verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, look at that, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you before, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Many of those things can well cause dissensions in the life of a church, those works of the flesh. But let me say this, issues of the tongue and attitude can cause dissensions as well. Issues of the tongue and attitude. And we go to Ephesians chapter 4, picking up 
with verse 31 where the Scripture says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you all with all malice. And the Scripture goes on and says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Bitterness, anger, wrath, <laughs> clamor, evil speaking. I mean, there's, what? there's issues of attitude there. There's issues of the tongue. Many times issues of attitude and issues of the tongue will cause division or conflict in the body of Christ. And let me say this, sadly, there are some, and uh, many times this, of course, is demonic, who feel that it is their personal objective to cause conflict and division. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and following, where the Scripture says this, There are six things the Lord hates. He has seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. Again, a false witness who speaks lies. And look at this next one. And one who sows discord among brethren. One who sows discord among brethren. Reasons why, again, will you see conflict and contentions and strife and divisions, there are some people who go about doing what? As the Scripture indicates, sowing discord among brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me say this, God will judge those people and situations and circumstances. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. In other words, we're on the same page for the same mission. It's His mission. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you should be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Again, it's just like the admonition again in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ. The attitude of Christ. Verse 11 states, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions, strife, problems among you. Chloe's household. Again, we don't know a lot about Chloe. Uh, other than there's a reference uh, that Chloe visited Paul in, in Ephesus. But, but here's the interesting thing. We don't know. I mean, when I see that name, I automatically think of a gender. But, but we don't know if this is male or female. Chloe. We don't know. But Chloe's household is reporting this. And here's what they're reporting in verse 12. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul or I am of Paulus, or I am of Cephas, Cephas being Peter, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes on and says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should think that I have baptized in my own name. 
Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of wisdom. Again, we're going to look at this gospel the, the next time I have a chance to preach this passage. Lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. What's happening? The people were being divided over people, persons, leaders, personalities. Human beings with flesh and bones like we have, other than Jesus is referenced here, of course, God in human flesh. But particularly as, as we think of some liking Apollos, some liking Paul, some liking Peter. They had preferences, but their preferences were driving them to division. In other words, where they were causing problems and contention and conflict over their personal preferences. I'm getting ready to say something that's very important and it may not sound like it, but it is. And I trust by the Holy Spirit you'll see it too. In the life of a church, we've got to get over a lot of our personal preferences. Now please, please take that to heart. I mean, I have to take it to heart. We've got to get over a lot of our personal preferences. Particularly as our personal preferences a lot of times will cause, ultimately, if, if, if uh, allowed to, division, strife, conflict, those kinds of things. I have preferences on a lot of things, don't you? You probably have your preferences. We had some people yesterday at the NC State football game. We had members yesterday. They had a, they had a what? A preference. <laughs> That's right. They had a preference. Probably some of those people, you couldn't, you couldn't find them dead or alive in a Carolina game unless they were playing state, of course. Or whatever, they had a preference. Had a preference. Some of you may well leave this service today and go to one of your favorite local restaurants. You will not, and I'll likely go to the same one, but so those of you who may go out to eat today will go to one that is in line with your personal preference. Your personal preference. Yes. For some of our younger people here today, it may be that fine cafeteria at Campbell they go to today for their personal preference. That may be where they go. Personal preferences. Now, how do our personal preferences cause issues in the body of Christ or church life? It could be something like this. That's not the way we've always done it. It's not the way we've always done it. I didn't grow up doing that. I just like this. All of us have likes and dislikes. That's part of being a human being. But if likes and dislikes ever come to the place of causing division and strife and, and impairing the mission of Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, those things need to be laid to the side. 
They need to be laid to the side. I remember <laughs> this is sad and humorous both. I remember and this is this has been several years ago in ministry, most certainly not at this church. I followed a pastor who'd been there several years. And uh, it was brought to my attention that some of the women like the way that the former pastor hugged them, and I would not hug them the same way. Yes, that was brought to my attention. Well, let me tell you this. Not to get into this issue anymore, but you know what? There was probably reasons why that I chose not to hug the same way that he hugged, okay? But you don't have preferences on ministers based on how they hug you, okay? That's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. Okay? I'll tell you another one. This, this one, since I'm, I'm getting these, I'll tell you another one in ministry. I, this was a former church. This has been several years ago. This has been, you know, when choirs were maybe bigger in lots of churches than they are today. But uh, I had... And I think it was actually two or three women that came to me. It could have been men, okay? It could have been men. And said, Pastor, we don't like the way that some of the women on the front row of the choir are dressing and presenting themselves. Will you deal with it with them? And I looked at them and said, No, if you have a problem with it, you need to deal with them. Okay? You need to deal with them. I knew where that was going. And it wasn't good. All right? Personal preferences can get us into trouble sometimes, okay? Let's leave our personal preferences behind when we come together to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's leave our personal preferences behind when we minister in the name and to the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's leave those behind. It's hard and difficult at times to do that. I have preferences and you have preferences. But let me tell you this, it's not my page or your page. It is His Word that is central. It's His Word that's central. Are we thankful for the ministry of Apollos? Yes. A gifted orator, uh, you know, according to Scripture and then tradition as well, uh, where we find out, you know, a gifted proclaimer of God's Word. Are we thankful for Peter's ministry? Absolutely, yes. You know, one of the best discipleship studies where, where you really see an emphasis on the role of suffering in discipleship and, and suffering in the Christian life is found in Peter's writings. What about Paul? We'll see this as we move on, so I don't want to get into another sermon. Evidently, Paul was not a nice person to look at. I guess we would have to say he was in the homely category, okay? But let me tell you this. He didn't stand up and preach with the persuasive words of men. He preached under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what counted. 
not what he looked like. And if you ever allow a preacher preference to get in your way, let me say this. Yes, you can like your pastor and your other leaders. That's good. That's fine. If it's for the right reason, that's good. We all need to be encouraged from time to time. Well, let me tell you this. It's not about us. It's about him. And that's exactly what the word of God is saying here. No. Peter, Peter didn't save you. Paul wasn't crucified or Peter weren't crucified for you. It was Jesus Christ. It's him. It's him. You weren't baptized in their name. You were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit again to the glory of God. Not in man's name. Not in man's name. May we always be a church where I pray, and I know we have to deal with all these things on a regular basis. That's part of life and ministry and being together as a body of believers. But let us have the objective to put pettiness aside. Let us have the objective to put personal preferences aside. Let us have the objective as found in Philippians chapter 2 where the scripture says this, looking out not only for your own interest but also for the interest of others. You know what? When we look out for other people's interests, we are less concerned about ourselves, right? We're less concerned about ourselves when we look out for other people's interests. I'm thankful that these words were written today, that we could hear them and proclaim that we need to have unity in Christ. The mission is bigger than any of us, and I say to that, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Let me ask you a question. Where will you spend eternity? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that Jesus has forgiven your sins, that you put your faith and trust in Christ alone, our Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? In just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. If you do not know the Lord, I'll be more than happy to pray with you. Believers, I pray the Holy Spirit will take this word and, and will apply it to each of our lives. The altar is open. And the Savior is waiting. Allow the Lord to do His work in your heart and in your life. Congregation, please stand. Congregation, please stand.